Hi, Christina. Welcome to the podcast. If you could just start off by telling us a bit about what you do. So I'm one of the co-founders of Bouncer Blue. And Bouncer Blue is a Spanish uh, startup which uh, was born to reduce the fuel consumption and pollutant emissions of shipping uh, by using, or, or let's say it the other way, by going back to the basics and using sales again to propel ships. Nice. And um, I guess uh, if you want to just quickly run us through maybe your story thus far and what led you to Bouncer Blue? I think that one of the first questions is what led me to study an engineer, an yeah. engineering career. Um, I wasn't good at maths, neither at physics. So I wanted to be a teacher, then later a doctor, uh, because I was good at biology and chemistry. Uh, but then uh, one of my professors uh, realized, well, in fact, the, the professor that was in charge of uh, mathematics realized that um, I loved uh, to solve problems. Uh, that was like uh, what I really liked. And she helped me throughout the way to choose a career uh, related to engineering. Uh, then I chose aeronautics. Uh, I did I did not know anything about airplanes, neither space shuttles, anything. I mean, I didn't know how an airplane uh, was flying. It was magic to me the first day I arrived and I, I started learning new things. Um, and how I ended up in shipping, I think it's because of this thing that I have internally. I think that all engineers have it, which is that, that we love to solve problems. And uh, we believe that it doesn't matter uh, the background you have, if you have an idea to solve that problem and to make uh, things easier for the people, good for humanity, for the world, uh, then you have to just step in and give a solution. What have been the main difference in terms of working as an engineer for a firm and actually being your own boss, like being the founder? How, how have you found that? What have been the pros and cons of that experience? So as an engineer, I think they train you very well to make uh, CFD calculations like structural aerodynamics and so on, but they don't train you how to start and launch a business, neither how to grow it. I think that's the hardest part. So you can have an idea and people tend to believe that's the hardest part of all. I think that the it's, it all starts with a problem. You see a problem in the market, then you find an idea uh, behind and, and a product or a service to solve that problem. And then you have to think about, okay, now this has to be a business and I have to make money out of it and I have to grow it and how I will do this, how I will acquire the talent, how I will retain that people. Um, in, at, for instance, in our case, at an operational level, am I going to close agreements with the partners and suppliers uh, where around the world or just here in Europe located? Uh, all these things and then investment. So how am I going to fund all this, uh, all this growth? So R&D activities, for instance, in our case has taken a lot of years, as you can imagine. It's a product service. It's a product attached also to a service as hardware plus software. Uh, plus in the end, that's a lot of investment in R&D. So that's uh, patents behind that you have to fund that people going to CFD and wind tunnel tests and so on and so forth. So they don't train you to do this. So somehow I had to learn it uh, by doing. So I started the business. I am very fortunate to have started the business with the best two co-founders I have uh, that everyone would desire to have in the world. So they had past experience uh, launching the startups. In fact, they are also aerospace engineers and they uh, were part of the founding team of an aerospace uh, startup. They launched stratospheric balloons to space. So they were since the very beginning, like, looking for funding and uh, also developing their product and commercialization and so on. So they sort of uh, gave me that learning and I was able to apply it and then uh, do also like some courses on startup management. Yeah, definitely. I was wondering in terms of, so you started with two other people and 
And then you have to decide what your individual role within the company is going to be. And you're chief operations officer, right? Yeah. So at the beginning, I was like the team. We were David, Jose Miguel and I, and then uh, maybe one or two people more. So uh, at the beginning, I was more required on the technical aspects within the company also because of my background. So the business side, I mean, I couldn't sell anything because I had nothing to sell. So I could talk with the market and that's needed to develop your product. But you couldn't go and sign agreements with suppliers, with like for maintenance activities, for production. Uh, I mean, it's not the, the state, uh, but neither for investors. So it didn't took all my uh, time to, to be speaking with investors to raise the first funding round. So I was more devoted on the technical side. But while the company kept growing throughout the years, uh, the team kept growing also on the technical side and they were much more better engineers than me. And I believe that this is something that all founders have to do. So find their way of helping the company. And in my case, it wasn't on the engineering side. So I started to focus more on more business related aspects, closing agreements with those partnerships, uh, managing the investors within the company, uh, more on the marketing side also and commercialization. And, and more focusing on that business development. So that was like a transition that I had to do within the company. But for instance, uh, David, uh, in the end, was the one of uh, the, the uh, from the three of us, it was the, uh, who took care of all the technical aspects. And today is the chief technical officer within the company. So we couldn't be all of, all of us, the three of us on the technical uh, activities. And you have to make a decision and, and really see yourself where you're tested. Yeah, I guess, I guess, I mean, as someone who I maybe mean, transitioned from something technical and then into all these other aspects that you are now responsible for, I know you said learning by doing was obviously a huge um, aspect of this, but were there any other channels through which you sort of found the skills and maybe the confidence to do these completely new skills like marketing, for example? I think it was more on, if, if you don't have the knowledge within the company or within your teammates, I mean, you can always externalize part of it. And because it wasn't a key aspect within the company, I mean, all the technical uh, development has to be developed within the company. That's what makes you special. But how to market your solution, you can always find uh, someone to help you throughout the way. So we found partners that could give us uh, that support. So that, that was one of the ways uh, we did it. And we do it today, whenever, whenever we need help. Uh, on those things, but also, for instance, like more related to courses. So um, I started doing some courses in startup management. I went to uh, to Cambridge, so I did Ignite course. I also went to the Singularity University with the Moonshot uh, Thinking uh, for Entrepreneurs. Um, and then later words, for instance, in 2020 was a moment where the company, although there was the COVID impact, the company was growing huge. And we needed to grow the team. And I felt that I wasn't prepared for that growth or to lead that growth. So I decided, decided to embark on an executive MBA uh, while I was doing uh, my daily job. So that was on Friday afternoon and Saturday morning. You can imagine the workload that I had uh, during two years, nearly. Uh, so, so that was a way also. So there you could also find the courses on marketing, but also on HR, financing. And that helped me a lot also. So in terms of maybe the structure of your MBA and, and your other educational endeavors, um, post maybe your bachelor's and, and engineering qualifications, um, you say you've got access to these courses and, and things like that. Have you found that genuinely they are contributing to your growth and by you educating yourself, it's a huge investment from yourself and, and from, from the business in terms of your time. Um, are you finding that it is having a tangible impact on, on the Yeah, work? definitely. I mean, they don't tell you how to, to go throughout that path that yeah. uh, you have in front of you as an entrepreneur that, I mean, if, if they told you that and everyone would be doing that, 
that's what makes entrepreneurs special. So they, they find the right path uh, to reach the right point. Uh, but obviously they make you uh, think about uh, areas where you're not maybe touching because you're lacking that knowledge. So how my decisions uh, or how HR fits within the strategy of a company, uh, operational strategy, financing strategy, uh, like more on a high level and how everything should work together uh, and move. Because if one of those is not working in the same way, it can break everything. So, so this is really helping me like open my mind, see other business models, see how those could be applied to my business and see areas uh, where, where maybe I'm, I'm not putting so much of my attention. So I should focus on there and make it grow and realize these things. So of course, I mean, they, they aren't uh, perfect, uh, but they help you a lot. Yeah. It seems you're a very naturally motivated person, but there have been times in your career where either during your education or in your actual career where you've been juggling a lot of things, doing a job on the side or doing education as, as, on the side of your work. How do you prevent burning out from too much work? What are some habits to keep you sort of motivated and healthy? So there was a moment I, I should say that uh, it wasn't that I wouldn't say it's a burnout, but rather that I felt that I couldn't add a lot of value or that I was taking the, the wrong decisions all the time. And I think that had to do with self-esteem. And, and that was something that I had to work aside. It wasn't because I wasn't capable. I, I was realizing I wasn't capable and I was hurting myself so much because of taking bad decisions. And I didn't realize that sometimes as an entrepreneur, you have to take not only one, but a lot of decisions. So you as an entrepreneur, and that's what I realized uh, the later, that took me like one, two months, I would say. But anyways, you realize you want to reach this point and you will take a lot of decisions and maybe the first decision will not take you straight to that point and it will just move you a little bit. And you realize that you're not really on the right direction and you have to take another decision and it's not a linear path. So rather you will be taking a lot of mini decisions that will bring you to this point. The important part is not that you're taking bad decisions and doing this, which was I, what I was doing, but rather that you're closer to the point and that you, you are aware that these decisions were not as good as you thought about, and then you have to go back. So, so in my case, some people would have said, okay, that's, I mean, that's straightforward. Uh, you should have realized that. But in my case, because I was lacking maybe that self-esteem and I thought it was because of me, uh, and all that pressure I was putting on me, just me, myself, nobody else. Uh, I was unable to keep taking decisions. So I, I step a little bit aside and I did more regular work that didn't uh, involve to take decisions. And I spoke with my two colleagues, uh, Jose Miguel and David, and I told them, Hey guys, uh, please, uh, I don't want to take decisions throughout some weeks. Like I need you to support me, which I suppose this brings me to the point of uh, starting a company with or without teammates which I obviously, and, and as you can imagine right now, I would suggest to do it uh, with somebody else also, because sometimes this can happen throughout the way. I mean, you will find that your energy will not be as high. And then your other partner, then the, the magic is that when you are down with your energy, they will be up with their energy. So you're somehow doing the work together. So so this is also something that brings me to to being sincere with you and also with your partner and with the team and with the client. So right now I'm I'm not in the position to take decisions. But of course, I realized that that was at the beginning of the company. So it wasn't a huge uh, impact. And it took uh, not, not that much for me to realize, like one to two months, maybe. Um, so, so it wasn't a huge impact. But then, of course, I took much more into account how I was feeling and not letting me reach that point of uh, like burning and 
So uh, right now what I do is uh, raise my hand whenever I see that something is not going okay with me, like, hey, I feel that uh, this should go this way or that one. I, I think we're not going the right way rather than seeing everything not going how it should be. I, I also like, I think that uh, lowers the, the bar a little bit. Like I, I tell my colleagues, do you feel the pressure? I'm starting to feel the pressure, right? And that is helpful because you realize you're not alone and that the rest are also feeling pressure to your, your, so, so, I mean, and also helps you to decrease the level of that pressure. Mm. So, I mean, you make fun of it. You tend to just lower it. Of course, like exercising. In my case, I love hiking. I have two dogs, so they help me a lot. So it was like, I need to see my dogs. <laughs> so it really depends. I think there's not a magic uh, answer to this. I think it's realizing and knowing yourself. So working a lot on yourself, maybe a coach, maybe you or having a colleague uh, that helps you throughout the way, improving how you are personally. Yeah, I guess that's something that all of us can take into our, our future careers, especially, I think, your advice about not maybe dwelling on the bad decisions and, and realizing that they bring you closer to your end goal in the, in the future anyway. But I guess in terms of maybe if we move on then to um, another one of your passions, um, which is empowering women in business. Of course, you're a very successful woman in business thus far and having aided many mentoring schemes and the like. But what are some challenges and experiences you have faced, as I say, a woman in business at the moment? And what about this sector in particular uh, that you're working in, i.e. the shipping sustainability sector? So as you can imagine, shipping is uh, somehow dominated by main people, uh, old people, uh, or at least right now, uh, I would say that some years uh, till today, uh, we've seen a lot of change, but it was not normal to see uh, people coming from outside the industry like we were, like Jose Miguel David and I, aerospace engineers, uh, young people, like, and even myself being a woman. So today, like only 2% of all seafarers are women and around, I think that it's 20% of the workforce in the northern part of uh, Europe, for instance, in shipping is formed by, by women. So in the end, it's, it's rare. So I mean, you're there because you deserve it. Uh, so that's something I would say uh, to whatever girl or woman that is uh, willing to take a position in shipping that we need all talent. And that means that we need more women, uh, and to include it on the shipping industry. And they can add a lot of value with whatever, uh, type of background they have. It's not just about engineering. I mean, we need a lot of lawyers. We need a lot of uh, economists. And I mean, it's not only on the technical side. So I would encourage everyone to join. That's somehow the, the reason why I started like participating in more initiatives. And I think that more at a younger age, I would say, like encouraging also women to go to engineering roles uh, younger. So when I was young, I didn't want to become an engineer because I had no reference. I mean, I looked around me first, I didn't knew engineers, no engineer, but then no woman uh, at all. And if I thought about an engineer, I thought about mechanics. I mean, just full of grease and that really didn't represent me. So I want to be not a representation that's too much, but for them to show that I'm a normal person, that uh, what I do, what they can do with uh, within this type of careers and this uh, knowledge that they can acquire and that they really can change the world for the better so that, that they can find on the engineering careers that they can do uh, a good thing in the world and leave a mark and an impact. So that's one of the things I do, but I also help other women to launch their own projects. So I participate in other programs while they're a little bit not that young, so, so close to university careers maybe. Um, so because I found it difficult, even having the two uh, teammates and counterparts that had uh, this 
experience, past experience, uh, starting business, I found it difficult. Uh, and I found it difficult every day. So, so in the end, I helped them also throughout the way. So every learning I acquired throughout uh, all these years, I want to share it and help them so they can do it faster and better. I want to take you back to your time in education a bit. So you started off in, in Spain. Uh, that's where you got your degree as an engineer. And since then, you've, you've done education abroad in England, with Cambridge, you said, and you did one in California. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was wondering, as someone who is not from the country, maybe not immersed in the culture, you know, UCL, where we go, we have a lot of um, international students. And I was wondering if you have any advice for them in terms of adjusting to the new surroundings and just the new work culture and just everything. How have you found it? Yes. Yeah, so, um, for instance, one of the best experience uh, somebody could uh, could uh, go uh, would be like an MBA, like so many different backgrounds. Uh, really, this and I think about it, and that's one of the reasons I love uh, shipping. It's because of the diversity that you can find. So, shipping is global. And that means you have to deal with a lot of people throughout the world. It's the, 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 the sector that never sleeps, I would say. So that makes it very special. So I'm somehow used to it and I love it. And that's why an experience such as an MBA really opens your mind. So you have to be open to, to other ideas. So that means you have to work a lot on empathy, of course, because certain people will uh, tell what their opinions in different ways, but also be open that you you are not uh, having the whole picture of uh, what's happening in the world. So that's the way I was uh, looking at the classes at the executive MBA. So this is the full picture. And maybe I'm seeing uh, the mountains and you're seeing the ocean. But that doesn't mean that the ocean is not existing. It's just that I have to turn around and see the ocean. So what I saw is that my colleagues were helping me see those areas from my camera that I were I was not getting. So this uh, open mind, like the open mind, then uh, have this empathy, I would say, and patience. So for one of your educational experiences was Ignite with Cambridge. And you also said you completed another um, entrepreneurial based course as well. Um, In terms of the value they gave to you, um, obviously, we spoke about your MBA before. But in terms of maybe the different backgrounds and such, and like that fusion that you that you mentioned, how important is that to you in your development? Yeah, so I think that Ignite, for instance, was a very like uh, starting point. I mean, Ignite is for companies that have just recently launched or are about to launch. So they help you like take into consideration all aspects of your uh, business. And there, you you of course are submerged, and you you work together with other entrepreneurs or wanna be entrepreneurs. I mean, but they still have not founded the company, but they are about to fund it, and they're coming from different industries. So the good side is that we are all going to encounter the same problems, I would say. Um, uh, and also the good side is that they are uh, building their businesses in radically different uh, industries. So uh, when you speak with them, uh, like for instance, one is, was in pharma, so you realize how difficult it is, for instance, for the regulatory side. Uh, and then you try to think about how difficult or easy it will be on your side and what aspects you should take into consideration. That was, for instance, one moment I realized that maybe I was uh, not considering that well the regulatory side. So I was more optimistic that I should consider it in another way and how regulations could affect my business. So they were helping me because they were very highly affected by regulation. So that was an, a, a thing. Then I moved uh, a little bit and I did this uh, course on uh, California in the Singularity University. was thinking about, okay, I'm a comp- I have my project and at that time, uh, one of the ideas we had was applying uh, our sales, not just for uh, reducing fuel consumption and emissions of ships, but rather as a production plan to generate hydrogen in a renewable uh, renewable way. 
met a lower cost than uh, current uh, methods of production of hydrogen, like with natural gas. So that was our moonshot. And they helped me realize that this is not impossible, but rather possible, but that I had to, to really split it up in different phases. So then just in the starting phase, but that this is my vision and that how to have this vision and really move you. So the strategy will follow to really uh, grow the company and to go ahead of this huge uh, vision you have behind. So that was very good because uh, I had the base uh, from Ignite. Then I, I had the possibility to grow that uh, opportunity, like my mindset I had from the company and how it was going to move. Uh, plus also it was very immersive. I mean, like, uh, we also got the opportunity to go to Hewlett Packard, for instance, also to Google, other companies, to other PCs. And I could realize the opportunities I also had. So at that moment, nobody was speaking about artificial intelligence. Now everything with this uh, chat, GPT, uh, GTP or whatever, everyone is speaking about artificial intelligence. And at that point, when I did the course, they were like, okay, you should think about how to apply artificial intelligence uh, within your company, your product or your service. If not, I mean, you have a problem like, like then it's not a good uh, technology or whatever. So they could realize the possibilities in, in my product that were not limited to what I was thinking about. So that was very helpful. And then the MBA, the executive MBA was setting the baseline to the growth. So I had built the business, brought it to first uh, prototypes installed and seed trials. Now I have to grow. What should I do to be like a big uh, incumbent company? You said um, when you co-founded the company, you didn't really know anything about business and you had to learn on the job. But is there anything you wish you were told while you were at university studying as an engineer to sort of prepare you for that entrepreneurship journey and maybe help find out that you do have sort of entrepreneur within you? You know, any programs you can do at university or just things you should be looking at, you know, things you should be keeping up with? So I think all of us are entrepreneurs ourselves. The only thing is that maybe you are not an entrepreneur to build your own company, but you have to find a way within a company to be an entrepreneur, like intra-entrepreneur. And that there are a lot of ways of being an entrepreneur. You can also acquire a company, like a search fund, and also like start from there. You don't have to even build uh, your own company from scratch. So that would be one of the ways. But of course, like going back to basic, realizing you can start something and do something. And it's not just going there, working, doing, C doing CFD analysis, and that's all, go home. And you're just the one more piece of a whole full of blocks of pieces. And I mean, it's, it's, it's encouraging, I think, those students and making them believe that with the tools they have, they can build much more. It's not just, they're not just engineers. They are much more than what they have studied. Uh, and of course, more on the course side, maybe how to find this financing, because you go there and it's like, what should I do? Should I go to the street and ask for money? I mean, that's uh, ridiculous. But, but if you think about it and you just finish your uh, career, then where, where should I go? So what type of investors do I have? What are they going to ask for? Should I have uh, some sort of shareholders agreement? They don't tell you this. Uh, who is the first person you should have in the company? How important is a lawyer, for instance, in the very beginning? Uh, like those types of things that you have to either like know by yourself or, I mean, learn it by doing, or maybe participating in like some sort of incubation, acceleration program. But I think this should be included uh, within the like, I mean, classes. Definitely. And obviously for that unique insight, another huge theme in your life, which is obviously band to blue in the work you do is related to um, sustainability and climate change. Obviously, it's such a huge problem um, that we're having at the moment. 
And so how did you narrow it down to this is the way um, I'm going to devote, you know, the next few years of my life, at least, to tackling this problem? So sustainability, I think, for me is key. And it's one of the decisions that made me start Bounce Blue. Of course, this was a profitable business uh, when we did the numbers. Uh, technically speaking, we, we were going to develop a, a good product. But in the end, what's the mission? So the, the mission is not uh, just gaining money. The mission is uh, doing a good uh, for, for all of us. I mean, uh, reducing the emissions, reducing the emissions made uh, better impact for all of us, like uh, at the personal level, I mean, less death because of uh, lung and cancers and so on. And also, uh, I mean, good for the plant. So so that was the, the, the main, uh, like, ignite to, to really start Bound for Blue. So I think that one of the, the, the ideas you have to, to, to have in your, in your mind is that you're not going to solve the whole climate change problem yourself. This is too, too, too ambitious to do it by yourself with no money, just starting from scratch. And so I, I realized that shipping has a huge opportunity to make a good impact in the world. So shipping, for those who really don't know it, is uh, transporting 90% of Wall Street. So it's the backbone of the global economy. It's key for all of us. And um, because it's transporting that huge amount of uh, volume of cargo in the end, it's polluting a lot. So till today, and, and I mean, this is the starting point, there hasn't be an, been any breakthrough in the industry. I mean, they were somehow risk averse, um, somehow conservative to the adoption of technology. And thus they have been doing business since the very beginning. Like, I mean, not pretty much uh, improvement on the technical side. So for all those engineers looking to really make a huge impact, I mean, we're not speaking about uh, incremental development. Uh, we're speaking about double digit, like fuel efficiency savings. Uh, so I would encourage them to join uh, an industry that has these so amazing opportunities of improvement at the technical level um, and that you can really generate an impact. Of course, we cannot solve the whole problem, not either in, in shipping. I mean, we will provide around 20, 30% of the fuel savings then you have to add up like uh, digitalization solutions, for instance. You have to add up uh, improvement on the design of the ship uh, to reduce the resistance and so on. And then you have to use alternative fuels. But throughout uh, this uh, multi-solution uh, for ships, uh, then you can reach really the 100% sustainability that is needed within the industry. So that was the decision to, to embark. But of course, I think that anyone really or looking uh, to climate change solutions or to embark in a startup uh, related to this type of products, just realize you will not solve everything. So just focus on one thing and and that's enough. Yeah, that's amazing. And, and honestly, I think ESG should be, for any degree that anyone's thinking about it, it should be at the forefront of our minds, you know, considering how we can impact it in the future. And I think what you're doing is amazing for it. Do you want to talk about you and your company appear so successful since you started in 2014 from the outside looking in? You yourself, you were selected uh, in 2017 as Europe's top 50 most promising entrepreneurs. You received the Forbes 30 Under 30 Award in 2019. And in 2020, you won the FEDEPE Innovation and Female Entrepreneurship Award. So clearly very successful since graduating. But I think what's most important is your own definition of success and how you see success from your own self-perspective. And I was wondering, how would you define success now? For me, it's being calm with the decisions I take. So, I mean, um, if today I, I was going to die, I need to feel calm that I'm doing the right things today 
and, and, and I mean, in the end that I feel happy with my life, I'm happy. It's not about having more money. It's not about uh, anything material. It's something like more internal. So for instance, it's not building a business and building it very quickly and being famous and like, I mean, and selling the company. If that has to do, for instance, with not being uh, ethical, I would say like taking wrong decisions that are harming people or the planet, then, then that's not the way to go. So for me, it's like feeling this calm uh, with the decisions I take. Feeling in peace. No, I think that's amazing advice. I was, has that changed since getting into your industry? Have you always thought that way or is this something you've learned recently? I think that when I was very young, for me, the definition of success was being the best. Uh, so I was trying to improve. So always I was comparing uh, with the rest. When I grew up, I realized I had to compare with uh, me. Uh, so being better than I was uh, yesterday, a uh, better person, a better professional in the end. So it, it really changes. And I think as, as you grow up and as you mature and, and you know yourself much better, I would say. Just as we're sort of wrapping up the episode, and I want to thank you for everything you've said so far. And it's been amazing, honestly. And you're a huge inspiration to ourselves, and I'm sure a lot of students. What is one message that you want to leave with students, maybe your own self as a student, something you wish you were told going into your career, like one overall piece of advice? To try earlier new things. I mean, you don't have to wait, uh, at least in Spain, they tell you, okay, I'm third year, you can start approaching companies. I think you can start approaching them since day one. Uh, if you're an engineer and they don't hire you uh, in the first year, then start building your own things. Like um, There's not a limit. I mean, you're not an engineer, but uh, that's something you don't need a paper to say that you're an engineer. An engineer is an engineer without a paper. And then later, when you grow up, you realize that. Uh, like You know people that have not studied anything at all related to these careers, but they're better engineers than you. So an engineer is by heart. So if you see a problem, then uh, start solving it. Uh, do a podcast, for instance, like you're doing. Like, I mean, there's a lot of ways. I, I met a, a student at the Naval Engineering uh, and he did a podcast and he wanted to meet with engineers and know a little bit about the professions also here, like in Spain. That's a possibility that brings you like a step closer to where you want to go. And if you don't like that, then leave it and just uh, try new things. Thank you very much, Christina. I mean, that's amazing advice, as Peter said, throughout the episode. And I guess that's a really good last thing um, in terms of trying new things and not being afraid to keep it moving, um, especially when you're young. Once more, Christina, thank you very much. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today. Speaking to you today. Um, we wish you all the best in the future. Thank you. And if uh, everyone is interested in a career in shipping, they can contact me directly also on LinkedIn. And I'm uh, always open to, to like help people if, if possible. I mean, We'll make sure to link uh, that in the bio as well. Um, but thank you very much. And yeah, we'll see you all later.